Hey everybody, Hellabass here, Rich Lindgren, episode 46 of the Hellabass podcast experience. Today, we're talking with Josh Douglas, my long-time buddy. Uh, we go back to 2007, fishing in the club days, fish a lot of tournaments against each other, with each other over the years. And we're going to talk about his journey to becoming a pro angler and his experience on the FLW Tour, the Bassmaster Opens, and all the different steps along the way, and then we'll get into some fishing tips and how to catch bass and answer some of the audience questions. So I hope you enjoy this show. There's a couple rough spots where his audio or his connection, his internet connection is a little bad. They don't last long. We get through them and we get back into it. So if you need to skip ahead a little bit, be patient, uh, and it'll be worth your time. As always, here to help you guys catch more bass and suck less. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. What's up, man? How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm, I'm not as warm as you, but other than that, life is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty warm down here. It's actually a nice change of pace. It was crazy because it was cold literally the whole way down until you hit the Florida border. Then all of a sudden, it's just like 70 degrees right away and palm trees. It's amazing how that line works right there. But it was. It was cold all the way down through Atlanta. It was in the 30s the whole way down. Cool, cool. So what are you what are you doing down in Florida, Josh? Uh, it's just that time of year, uh, Malax tends to get a little, a little stagnant for me this time of year. Uh, I'm not big into the ice fishing though. I have been seeing a lot of, a lot of people catching bass through the ice. So they're starting to get my, peak my interest a little bit more. Uh, but you know, this time of year, it's a good time to be, uh, be down here getting ready for tournaments, getting the boat ready to go, utilizing this, this camper that Bree and I run around and live in. It's a good good time of year to be down here yeah so you really i mean you get down there early get the boat ready get back in fishing shape knock the rust off see some of your old buddies you're not the only one down there there's like gussie's gonna be heading down there and seth's gonna be heading down i mean it's it's pretty common deal for people to get down there and kind of kind of warm themselves up figuratively and literally so yeah, def- uh, definitely is. And, you know, you can't make can't make fishing content or nothing like that either uh, right now up north unless you want to go ice fishing. So it's a good time to get out there with Bree with get the camera rolling and get stuff get stuff going. But, yeah, you're right. Everyone's about to come down to Florida. Uh, it's a good spot to be right now. Or you sit in a basement studio like this and, and just yeah. talk to a camera like, yeah. like an idiot like me. So that's, that's it. That's it. I was doing it a week ago. Uh, so where are you at right now in Florida? Where are you, where are you calling home for the moment? Uh, we just got down to Clewiston. Um, the first, uh, pro circuit event is on, is, is here in Okeechobee. And I've only fished here one time, um, in 18. I did okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I got a check, but it was in the forties somewhere and just kind of, uh, kind of ran around and just kind of made something happen. But uh, it looks totally different now. You know, being here now looks totally different. When we were here before, those hurricanes kind of messed it up. So now it seems to be like the Okeechobee of old or what I used to watch on TV and stuff like that. Things are starting to grow. So it's a good place to just kind of poke around and figure out where I'm going, you know. 
get get myself lost and found again. I not big into not big into fishing a lot as much as it kills me after winter and coming down. I've made a few casts, but right now I'm just kind of moving around and and looking for stuff. Uh, figuring my way in and out, trying not to get too many preconceived notions. Those those have killed me in the past, but uh, just knowing where you know where you can go find find some a hydrilla, some eelgrass, some reeds, whatever it is that you want, just to know where it all is around the lake and uh, uh, run around. Pretty beneficial. But then we go off limits here after the weekends, run around and start uh, just fishing some holes, trying to catch uh, trying to catch yeah. a PB or something. Go get them sneaky sneaky spots. Try to catch some bigs. Get some good content. Uh, exactly yeah for sure exactly before it's back to casting for 12 and a five and one five pounder to get paid again you know try to go around catch some giants yeah absolutely well our our buddy billy coles is in here he says hi oh yeah good guy Uh, he's been fishing more than me yeah i see he's been he's been uh he's been wrecking him there in the winter leagues out there i keep seeing on the instagram he's blowing it up so bill's a good fisherman you must have learned something hanging out with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen Bill in a while now. Uh, yeah. So what? Uh, so you said the first tournament. Maybe talk a little bit about your schedule this year. So your very first tournament is the uh, what do we call it? The ML, the MLF Big Five Pro Circuit. Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It changes every year. Uh, basically what was the FLW tour, uh, now the MLF pro circuit. Um, yeah, fishing those, uh, it's, it's good this, this year, you know, last year it was a little bit stressful when MLF was purchasing FLW. didn't really know what was going on. Uh, so this year it's been kind of roses coming in. Things have actually gotten better. Entry fees dropped 10 grand and, mm-hmm. uh, the payouts are really nice, especially if you're in a Phoenix I mean, uh, I'm chasing that first place trophy hard, so that's uh, something I definitely want to get because then you win, you win a whole bunch more money out of a Phoenix. But uh, the circuit's good, and then also fishing the Toyota Series Southerns and the Toyota Series Northerns, and then uh, the Bassmaster Open Southerns. So I got I got a pretty big schedule, and already booking guide trips back home in Malac. So uh, I'm sure we'll pile house a ton, ton of hours on this on this engine, and uh, you know you got to fish a lot. Something happen, right? Yeah, for sure. And that, I mean, that's crazy what Phoenix did in the last two seasons for tournament incentives. So, uh, mm-hmm. that's a, it's a really good deal if you're already running one for, you know what I mean? Like, um, or even thinking about moving over, um, you're not quite John Cox league as far as tournaments this year. No. You're getting there. No. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's John Co- Cox league. John Cox took like the angler that I've always looked up to to the next level. Like I always liked the guys that were fishing Bassmaster and FLW. Uh, they're just fishermen. They wanted to fish all the time and, uh, and, uh, try to try to collect trophies. And John Cox now is taking that to a whole new level. But I believe if I'm not mistaken, is the St. John's bass and the FL, the, or the circuit event, are they the same week to start? He said there was a couple of conflicts and I, he had it all mapped out. I, I remember when he was on, like, I forget which one of the podcast shows he was on. Uh, he, he was going to skip, I think one of the uh bass pro circuits um early yeah. on good um, good hopefully that one's okeechobee then we don't i don't remember don't exactly need, cox is good everywhere he goes but we if, if i don't got fish against him in that one that's all right we you can go over there you can fish that one 
he's pretty dead yeah. he's pretty deadly everywhere he goes but he makes a lot of money fishing bass tournaments so yeah, he's if, he's really all about him, that right? clicking through those 10k checks and he figures the more 10k checks he can make the the more money he can make that's what is so. yeah and then you and then he wins one every year too yeah 100 no grand 100 grand real nice. easy um yeah. so you got a uh I don't know. Is there is there one on this on the schedule this year that you got your eye on that maybe you just feel? I mean, obviously you go out there to win them all, and you're you know you, you know one tournament at a time, all that. But there's got to be one that you're just kind of maybe itching a little more, or you kind of just got your eye or shines a little bit on the schedule. Yeah, um, there is actually in with this the circuit. I don't know a lot of the lakes, so I'm kind of hmm, I don't know what to think about that either. Which way I. I generally do okay if i don't have preconceived notions um a lot of times the ones i'm most excited about end up being my worst ones um sure so i didn't say you which know, one I, were you I, gonna uh, win i said which one were you excited about <laughs> yeah you know that's just it it's it's i don't know um you know this year i'm actually excited for a lot of them it's the first time i fished the toyotas um i, I generally do well in florida Every time uh-huh. down here, Florida's usually, I usually do pretty good, start the season off pretty strong. So now I got, I think, five tournaments in Florida this year. Um, again, that, those Toyota money is nice. It's 35 grand too if you win out of a Phoenix there. So that, that could actually be a big payout with a, a smaller yeah. deal. And then the Harris chain, the first open, I, I really like the Harris chain. It's actually, I think, you know, Kissimmee's probably my favorite, but the Harris chain is a close second. Um, and it was the one that I thought I went like the longest, but it's uh, it's a big fish factory. It's awesome. Uh, and then uh, the St. Lawrence, I've actually never been there. Um, everyone else has fished there a dozen times or better. I've never been there. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. And uh, and believe it or not, the Potomac. The Potomac's one that if it has milfoil and stuff in it this year, it's one, it's one that I had a bad tournament at and really want that tournament back. The tide sure. kind of got me. Not knowing how to manage it, so I'm looking forward to the Potomac again. But uh, really, I'm kind of looking forward to all of them. It, it should be yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, if you're not if after you're not last fall, about- after after the reschedules in the fall, like everything is looking good now <laughs> from here on out. Because fall fishing where we live, Rich, is awesome, as you know. Yeah. But as you know too, fall fishing in the South is not that spectacular. So uh, really, they all look like whack fest to me from this point going forward. Now, well, I mean, I know it. I was on uh, on Pickwick in November. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's an interesting question. Uh, Chris, uh, who's one of our Minnesota guys, uh, what was your deciding, deciding factor in kind of splitting it up and sticking with basically the, the old FLW uh, versus going all in on the opens like several other guys did? I mean, obviously, there's plenty of guys that have stuck with it like you have, and there's plenty of guys that have kind of went all in on the opens. What's that? Yeah. Sorry, it, it froze for a second. I think you was uh, wh- why did I keep fishing MLF uh, through that and not yeah. not just to the oh, open? Even this year, right? Why have you chosen to stuck with the pro circuit versus? I mean, I mean, every, there's lots of guys making decisions, but what was kind of your thought process? Yeah, I never really had a decision. It's a good question. I never really had it. Was never really a decision. I did think about it right away. Again, I I didn't just because I str- I strictly didn't know, you know, but. For me, I fished, I, th- I think this is my seventh or eighth year fishing. We were just trying to figure that out a second ago. But it was after 2000, I think it was 2013, I believe, was my first year fishing the Opens. And um, 
the, granted, I was green, man. And you, you, knew, you knew me. I, I was trying to learn fast and just I knew I wanted the big stage. I knew I wanted the national level. Uh, I had some success in Minnesota, but as soon as I'd get to one one tier, I would just jump to the next one right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I went and fished the opens, and really it wasn't that great, man. I, I, I didn't have the money. I didn't have a boat that ran great, and I didn't have the skill set um, to be out there. You know, I, I was still trying to fish docks, and you leave Minnesota, and docks have 60 feet on them some places <laughs> and, and stuff. You know, it's not really a spot for a jig. So things just kind of got, you know, what it was. Well, when I, when I, I had a couple good years, I started to kind of get my momentum in the opens, a couple top tens. I missed the opens and I signed up for the FLW tour. And that them couple years fishing, I got a lot better faster. I could see it. I could feel it. Um, I went from like the dream of winning the tournament to actually tasting it. And, and I feel I could get there. And I also just watched the progression. Like I, I so many anglers that we consider hammers have roots through the FLW tour. It just makes really, really good fishermen. And I, I try to not get in the politics of the sport too much. Uh, fishing for $10,000 checks are, are big. They're what keep Bree and I on the road, uh, mm-hmm. keep our bills getting paid and doing stuff like that. And that's just something you can't do at the open or even just the straight Toyota level. So as long as I had a, a card to stay on the tour, man, I, I was definitely going to definitely going to do it for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have made the choice to go all in on the opens to make the elites, but it's a bit of a risk because, like you said, if your goal is to make a living, you can't make a living fishing the opens, right? I mean, that's just not. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, yeah, no, oh, no doubt. No, you ain't gonna make a living fishing the opens, no matter how good how good you are. Um, um, at the, and, and it's tough, man. It's it's a, it's a really a tough road. I, I've been as close as the first guy out um, a few years back. I was sixth in the points mm-hmm. or whatever. I was a sixth man out from getting in. I think Shin Fukai got the fifth spot. Um, and and then and then you just have one bad day and you watch that whole season disappear. You're you're running around. You know, it's for an elite. It's for the elite carrot, and it's also for a classic. Um, yeah. You know, I, I used to really, really, really want to be an elite series angler. That's what I grew up wanting but i also wanted to be an flw tour angler as well and uh basically it's 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 a good stage it it makes me better every day and and i'll always try to fish opens and stuff mainly mainly again for the classic for the chance to win one you know when i was at rayburn and almost won that the feeling of of qualifying for a classic is something that i probably won't ever be happy until i until i have that you know yeah absolutely that's cool um i'm just gonna take a second yeah, froze up on me for a sec yeah you're you're a little choppy but hopefully it's not too bad for the, the people at home here the audio is pretty good <clears throat> so i don't know if it's your end or my end um rich nobody's complaining about it in the chat awesome <laughs> you there i am I'm going to take Rich. Josh out and let him come back in and see if that works. I'm going to send him a quick text. And hopefully that'll fix it. Sometimes that <clears throat> will fix it. So we're just going to bump Josh out 
bring them back in. In the meantime, I just want to talk quickly about fantasy fishing quick while Josh is kind of coming back in. Uh, so for you guys that have followed me, I do a lot of fancy fishing. We'll be kicking those videos out soon. Um, also be writing some columns for Bassmaster on fancy fishing, but I just want to call out, consider joining the beat Hellabass uh, group here on Bassmaster fantasy fishing. It's the largest private group. And the reason we're going private this year is so that the winners, uh, for the prizes will all be in our community and keeping them in there. So that's the, uh, the reason that we're going to keep it, uh, local and in the group. So uh, just go in here, click on beat Hellabass, and then the password is all lowercase jigs for pigs. So that's the password for the group. And we got Josh back, so we're going to bring him in here a second. And hopefully he is in a better spot now, and it'll work better. Sometimes just bumping somebody out, bringing them back in fixes. How's it going, Josh? You hear me? Uh, it's going good. I don't hear you very well, but yeah. I don't know that it fixed it. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, you sound like a robot, though. That's the only problem. Uh, Let me try a different internet source real quick. All right, Josh, we're going to take Josh out one more time and have him try a different internet source and see if that fixes it. But so, like I said. We'll get through this. I'm sure he'll uh, pick it up here. Um, I mean, we got Gussie from Manitoba, so uh, it can't be all that bad. So I said the sound was good. Don't let the auto caps get you. That's a good point. Uh, watch out for the automatic cap on the uh, on the password. Yeah, so hopefully this works out. Maybe I'll switch over to a hotspot or something like that, and we'll be rocking and rolling. But other than that... Uh, We'll get back into it with Josh here in a few minutes. Uh, for you guys that are new to the stream, uh, you know, I got links in the description below. If you guys want to support the channel, check out omniafishing.com. There's a link down below. Uh, if you want to check out what they're doing, you can shop through me, uh, help my channel out. It doesn't cost you anything. And there's a code richlingren 15 below, which will save you 15%. So um, that helps the channel, helps me get uh, keep things going and get good guests like Josh in here. So... How's it going, Josh? I don't know, man. It's kind of well, a bunch of sugar. I just built the sugar camp. Yo, can you hear me better? Not really. It's hard to believe that Gussie has better internet than you do. <laughs> yeah, Florida's terrible, actually. Florida is just terrible, but I don't know why you can't hear me. Um, it says that I got good bars. Hmm. Can you hear me at all? I can hear you, but you're very uh, robot. Like broken up. What's up? What do you want me to do? I don't know. That's a good question. I have not had this. Uh, are you? Uh, maybe try just going on. Can you just go on your phone and click on that link, and we'll just go mobile instead of the laptop? Maybe try that. Yeah. All right. I'm getting up. Good call, Bailey. We'll see if this works. <clears throat> Hopefully, it does. Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck with me babbling about baits or something like that. He does sound like he uh, is a chain smoker, Logan. That's a good point, and that's it's not true. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, hope, hopefully going on mobile, just going straight uh, will work, or just the mobile will suck less bandwidth uh, than the laptop. Uh, uh, uh. 
so what else? I don't know if there's any questions here that uh, cannot wait to watch the elites. That's for sure. That's going to be good. Uh, Josh does sound like his emphysema. What else? So let's go back through the uh, – it was actually better before we kicked him. Uh, his audio was at least good at that point. Um, what's up, Michael Minnan? What's up, Kenny? Um, uh, so what's it like going from the smaller lakes in the north to these huge reservoirs in the south? You know, the size of the lakes isn't a real big deal, AP. I would say it's more about the lack of vegetation as a whole and the shad presence. Like the natural lakes up north don't know about a shad. So understanding how shad drives uh, bass behavior is probably the biggest thing. And then just learning to understand how creek channels and river channels really affect bass and our migration patterns. Our lakes don't have like creek channels and things like that for the most part. So those are two big things when you go down south from up north, uh, from my perspective, as somebody that's definitely dabbled down south. Uh, Logan, the fastest way to get better is time on the water. Shadow, you are correct. There are no fish in the St. Lawrence. It's all propaganda. Uh, correct. It was John Cox on Low Budget Live uh, talking about that. Let's see. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, we're trying to get the studio set up, getting a new banner, getting a fresh look behind us. Uh, so that's good. Uh, all right. He was good early. Let's see. Uh, Chatterbait voice. Elites AOI prediction. That's a tough one. Mm, you know, without really studying the schedule. Hmm. So I think who was really leading it before they got, you know, without as much northern swing. I bet you Hackney comes back with a vengeance. Um, so we'll see about that. That's that's my early pick without really putting that's my gut pick just quickly. Uh would you say Minnesota fish is similar to Florida? That's a good question for Josh. I've never fished in Florida. But there's a lot of guys from up north and guys that fish the Mississippi River that have done well in Florida. So I think if you learn how to understand and break down shallow vegetation, uh, you can have success in Florida. What's up, Patrick? Uh, everyone's pick for St. John's. I haven't really looked that close. That's a good question. I need to get out of my fantasy to write my article. Uh, question for Josh. When am I going ice fishing? Um, as soon as somebody has them biting and gives me a call. Best team trail in Minnesota to fish. Guess depends on what best for you. I think you got to figure out what, if you want to compete at your level, do you want to fish for the most money? Do you want something that has a good rate of return on its paybacks? Uh, I saw that the Minnesota team trail just said that they're having a no entry fee team championship this year which also can qualify you for the bass team championship uh the minnesota tbf has a good one there's quite a few good options uh fish are still biting good at kentucky lake why is nobody questioning what prosnick is doing um prosnick's on his own path he wants to fish the elites it's pretty clear i don't know <laughs> my next day on the water uh, I don't know. We're playing a little. I got some things that I'm thinking about making a trip south. So hopefully March. But uh, I feel like I can hear you, Josh. Why don't you try talking? I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? You sound way better. Everybody was joking about how you sounded like you were like one of those anti-smoking emphysema ads. Yes. 
So if, if you want to go back and have a chuckle, you can go watch that rough spot in the replay and see what you sounded like. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, this, this is good. I think I think we're on the right path now. Um, cool. Yeah, we're good. Thumbs up. Uh, 28 choices for rookie of the year. <laughs> I don't think they're all considered rookies, but um, there's going to be quite a few rookies. Uh, yeah, everybody says this is good. Um, so I talked about fantasy fishing. We talked about your 21, 2021 schedule. So we kind of talked to you and I. Some people know we probably got uh, a little bit of history. But uh, so you actually joined the bass club I was in in 2007 back in Minnesota. Uh, a guy with uh, super wet behind the ear and big aspirations rolling into the club in his 17 foot red rocket ranger with a what, what did it have a 115 115 evan rude what was it yeah or was it mercury or was it i don't remember mercury, so what, mercury. Yeah. yeah maybe just like rewind back can you remember what was go like what what were like what was it like what were you thinking what was your plan like big aspirations rolling into your first bass nation club in 2007 which was I got math 14 years ago now. Yeah. Uh, I was real green, man. I had just bought that boat. Um, Bri and I just got ma- had just gotten married. She, uh, we had like a, I always wanted to be a pro fisherman. I mean, I played hockey and I played some golf and stuff like that through high school and out of high school. Some, um, uh, well golf. Um, and I just kind of always wanted to be pro. I just didn't really have the money. Didn't have a boat. Um, you know, my parents were big into they're big into hunting and fishing and stuff but not like you know they'd run and go catch walleyes in a, in a lund or something like it so it was just kind of a, a little bit tougher path for when it came to just trying to come up with the finances and stuff to do it but brie we just she kind of made me a deal that if once uh, once we got married if, if i got a house we could get a boat so i i did that and then man i was just i, I needed to figure out how to get into it and um yeah, I believe you're my first conversation. You know, I looked through the Federation some and wasn't very familiar. You helped me through that process as I know you did with, as I know you, as I know you did with, uh, um, other people like that too. And just kind of got me into the club. Um, yeah, that was my very first tournament ever. I think was deer or bone or deer bone or one of those out in Wisconsin. Uh, your dad yelled at Corey Brandt and I because we neither one of us had our life jacket on midway through the <laughs> tournament. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. Acted like I think neither one of us had fished a tournament to that day, but we uh, acted like we did. We got paired together and then ran around. But it was good, man. You know the go for go for Bassmasters to this day is near and dear to me. Uh, one day I hope to be able to go back and and pay it forward. Um, you know for the other generations coming up and stuff because. Uh, it definitely got me on the path uh, to do, to do this. And f- from there, like we said earlier, man, I was just kind of always, uh, you know, my aspirations were big. I was in my, my, my mid twenties and just knew I needed to get going with it all. And, and uh, you kind of helped get me into the weekend series stuff and that, that was good. And then I had some success my first year doing it. I think I finished second in the points. Uh, then I won one on the river the next year. And every time it, something good happened, I just, put that money forward you know a couple years later Corey brant and i won that one on minnetonka and nabc and uh, that's what paid for my opens the following year yeah for sure i mean starting out that was a true definition of fake it until you make it (laughs) oh yeah yeah, for sure man we we well no i mean it was all learning then it was it was 
Yeah, it was. I didn't. I didn't know much, man. I really didn't. Um, I was pretty. I knew how to fish. Like I knew how to bass fish, and that was my thing. But dude, up until the club, you know, until I had that first seventeen foot ranger we were joking about, it was, it was paddle boat and across, you know, my grandparents' cabin lake to get to the reeds on the other side and stuff like that. But uh, the club definitely, you you learn a lot and you learn it fast. Yeah. Do you remember uh, sitting in the hotel in uh, in Wisconsin and we were talking yeah. about dock fishing and you're like. What do you what do you use for a, a fishing docks fish? And I was like, uh, baitcaster, blah blah blah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, I think you actually said it the other way, and I asked you right away, like, what are you using? And then uh, then I remember it was an onslaught of uh, backlashes from there on out for about two months. <laughs> I could get, could get them jigs on for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, John what? Welsh wants to know what was your day job back then. Oh man, I've always been a bartender. Actually, I, I, uh, you know, I bartended. Well, if we go back further out of high school, I got Marriott kind of spent a lot of time with me training me in the hospitality industry. Uh, I liked it a lot. And, and, uh, but then it kind of became a point of hotels and restaurants, hotels or restaurants. I went the restaurant route, uh, to, to bartend. It was, you know, you get cash rich quick, make, make cash. And then at the same time, you know, I'm never working on, uh, you know, I, you don't have two weeks of vacation time. You just mm-hmm. you go to work or you don't go to work. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid. So uh, in that in its own is a sacrifice trying to make the, the house bills and stuff. But still, that gave me the leverage to be able to um, uh, go go fishing. And then I also, you know, I started guiding kind of right away. As soon as I got, I, I even did some guide boats out of that red rocket we were talking yeah. about. Come a long way in my, in my guiding since Lake O'Dowd in that little red boat. But uh, um, yeah, yeah. And a lot of uh, trading away primed weekend shifts so you could fish tournaments and taking other people's crappy shifts uh, at other times. <laughs> yeah, I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all day, all day, breakfast through the end of dinner to to make some money and then uh, and enough to to fish some opens and stuff like that for sure. Yeah. So Logan says, would you recommend someone in high school fishing as a co their first year in the club level? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. If I could, you know, that's where I wish I would have went back. And, and did that a little differently. Um, there was, you know, if, if we're saying it's been since 13 or whatever, that'd be, we're going my eighth year opens. You, you, like the, the amount of mistakes that I made just in so many things from decision-making to how long I was practicing to all that. If I could have done it like Chad Smith uh, did it, that that's going to be, so, I mean, even when you look at fighter, I mean, he's the best to come out of Minnesota and, and he was a co-angler, man. I mean, it's just something that, that a lot of people don't realize they don't think about. And, and I, and you, you can learn an absolute ton. Uh, you know, when you're another pro, nobody talks to you when you're a co-angler, they'll tell you everything, you know, so yeah. you just, you learn. And, and, and like Chad always said, you also learn people's mistakes. You know, you get to watch somebody else make that mistake for, minimum of eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars, maybe up to five grand. You know, you, you watch them make that mistake and it helps you to not maybe not do that. So uh yeah. I definitely the coin route, everyone wants to be the big bad pro. I totally understand. I was that guy too. But if I could have for at least two years ran around and, and, and did that, I, I would definitely have, have turned the hands back and did that for sure. Yeah. And I think you did have a little bit of that because I believe in the club back in the day we had extra boaters. So uh, you did get a chance to draw out some other guys in the club even back then and fish with guys like my dad and Dave Ham and myself and guys like that. So for sure, and, and try to join a club or find a club where they rotate. Like, I don't like 
clubs where you pick one partner and fish all year together for learning. I mean, if, if you just want to like have fun with your buddy and do that, that's cool. But if your goal is really to learn, you want a club where you rotate and you fish with somebody different every, every tournament. Yeah. hundred percent. That's why I say the club gopher is so good. I mean, we, when we were done, we all told each other what we were doing, where we were doing, how we did it. We just, you know, if you got your butt kicked, you at least left learning something. And I can tell you, I've left tournaments. I've paid a lot of money at before and, and was as clueless leaving as I was showing up and, and yeah. that's, hard to take you know when you're trying to keep keep food on the table and all that kind of good stuff back at home yeah so billy i think we're gonna put a pin in active targeting we're gonna get to the technical stuff a little later so uh we'll just stay with the flow here i feel like if we start talking active target and sonar we're gonna get off the rails so we're gonna um yeah so we we fished a fair amount i mean like i feel like back then we were like oh man i mean we probably fished what 10, 15 times a summer, you and I, like we were every other weekend, like we were sneaking out after work, we were doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, so sure. I wonder, <laughs> which reminds me, so we're almost up to a hundred. So you guys can share a little more. So thanks to all you guys that wrote out our, our, our bumpy spots there and hung with us. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's get a few more people in here. Uh, that'd be awesome. Um, but I wanted to show this thing. And I don't know if the sound will work or not. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh yeah, I thought about it all day today when we were on the water. <laughs> Talk about you was... guys like this is 2010, us taking like our first shots at making fishing videos uh, with our buddy Greg Huff. I think actually helped us out with the edit on this one, um, and that's that's our competitive nature from the start right there. Uh, but uh, I think you can still find that on my website. I don't think we ever took it down. I think if you just keep going backwards in time. But do you remember how hard it was to get a video edited and stuff like that? Back yeah, this and this thing is maxed out at 480p. Uh, yeah. But uh, rocking the visor gang back in the day. Um, Nothing's changed. We're gonna have to we have to redo one of these so we can uh, freshen this up this summer. Yeah, we were doing the spring for sure. You know what's funny? Why don't we tell the story? So that was like, Rich and I basically, I think it was catch 20, right? Catch we were trying to catch pounds. 20 pounds a day. And I think we ended up with, spoiler alert, I think we only had 18 or something. 18 and three quarter, if I remember right. But we had, yeah. you know, I don't know how people feel about it and all that, blah, blah, blah. but it was a tournament. You know, it was a legit tournament for me and him. We probably should have done the wave release, all, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we put them in our, uh, we put them in our live well. We got stopped by the by the by the man. We felt pretty sheepish opening <laughs> opening up our live well. Oh yeah, that's right. He did stop us. And they're like, "What are you yeah. doing with all those fish in our live?" <laughs> I remember that. Now. Uh, yeah, yeah. But speaking of which, and I thought about this, and this got me thinking about because we I'm pretty sure we caught most of our fish on these. Yeah. Maybe not that color, but and that got me thinking like, well, Mark just passed away like a couple weeks ago, and like, yeah. Those were a big deal for you and I back in the day, like ring fries. We like, like built a lot of confidence and caught a lot of fish in them back then. Oh, for sure. They're still big in like Oklahoma. And oh Texas. no, they still catch them. They're they're I, still oh, awesome I, bait. Oh, I catches the crap out of them. Um, God, I got a bunch of those bags too. I got a bunch of them. Man, I I still got like uh, I I was just looking at this. I got a giant box full of ring of the actual Lake Fort ring tubes. I wonder if those would sell on eBay since you're selling everything all the time on eBay. Yeah. Plastic, plastic's expensive to ship. Yeah, you got you got to bulk them up and flat rate them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The custom visor hack. I got some videos on that, John. If you want to learn how to make custom visor, I got you. Uh, and just one, we got one more here. I got a <laughs> the river. Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> was I, what was I doing editing? Look at the, the aspect ratio on this thing. Like Fakey beads. Yeah. Like, Josh was going pro back then. He already had a sticker, the Biovax wrap. So funny thing, that was actually Medicine Lake. We were faking the boat ramp for the wrong place where we didn't actually fish. (laughs) Where were we at Medicine? Well, we launched Medicine later in that day because we tried to go smallies in the morning and launch, and then I just edited in. But like, that's right. So Rock is that Navionics hat? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah we're not gonna watch the rigging, but like, no, there's a good fish up here though. Oh, but see, this Look stuff was oh, this, Rich. This stuff was critical to, to getting to getting where I'm at now. Like, oh yeah, like just, we we were trial by fire, making mistakes with awkward little camcorder video. I mean, this was before smartphones were even good. Like, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, so. yeah, we were just picking up little cameras and stuff on each other. Yeah, right? we were like buying these cheap little like anything that's at HD Maxwell. Like they were they were crap. They were complete junk. Um, but so yeah, those were the good times. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, all right, a couple more things to throw it back. Oh, yeah. Did you ever catch any fish on these stupid tungsten weighted? No. <laughs> oh, is that the one they actually have the little tungsten? Yeah, they had the tungsten like I don't know. It was a cool idea, but I don't know. I don't know that I ever. Caught, I mean, a regular fluke worked way better than these stupid things. Oh yeah, <laughs> did they have a worm that was like that? Yeah, they had a shaky head worm. They had all kinds of stuff. That'd probably be pretty good on a on a little marabou jig. Dude, I still I got so say- many of those jigs. I still got so many of those jigs. I, they'll, they'll rot in a bag before. Like, I just Green pumpkin to- brown at the hydro silk too. Yeah, it's the it's all about the it's all about the the dang hydro silk. Yeah, the stuff that'll mat if you get one use out of it, and then it mats up. I still have some hydro silk though. I yeah, actually, talk, about, talk about an old confidence way back in the day though. I hand tied one up for Pickwick. Hydro silk on a new style head. Yeah, I'm sitting on. I got a box of hydro soak somewhere myself. <laughs> but man, we had a lot of confidence in that in the back in the day. That's for sure. All right. Well, oh, Banger's here. What's up, Banger? What's up, uh, let's see. Hey, Josh Shimano guy said he, Will says he got into Shimano because of you early on. Says you look like a baby. Uh. Oh, Gary says he just recently binge watched all your old Navionics uh, videos. So that's cool. Heck yeah. That's a good one. We're kind of talking, and this actually leads into what I wanted to talk about. Uh, T. Chang says, what mistakes would you say most professional anglers make on the business side? And I kind of wanted you to kind of lay out how you set things up, because I feel like you made a lot of sacrifices early on, changed some things around with your lifestyle. Uh, to set yourself up to have some longevity. Because like you said, you didn't hammer them your first couple of years on the opens. Yeah. And if you wouldn't have set things up, 
you know, with companies you partnered with and lifestyle changes, like you never would have had the chance to get where you got your skills and your confidence and your decision-making to where it needed to be. Um, so I think just maybe walk through some of that and that'll answer uh, his question. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was his actual question, Rich? What I think he said, what, was, the what, what, what are the mistakes thing? most young professional anglers make on the business side, which is basically um, yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's, there's two, there's two sides that I see that, especially today that people are making some mistakes. I did, you know, what works for one person is not going to work for somebody else. And, and you just kind of have to figure that out. So one thing that's great about fishing, like the, the, say the Bassmaster Opens, is Bassmaster Opens are, are good for, you know, your touring pros that are already pretty turnkey and can can get to that stage and all that. But it's also good for, like, you know, the Federation guys, the family guys that are mm-hmm. home that have full-time jobs, all that, that all of a sudden can justify if they qualify um, to, to the elites to, to hey, I'm going to take a run at this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm, I'm going to go and do that. Um, the, the other side of it is, is you have to become a, a professional on and off the water. And, mm-hmm. and I see mistakes on both sides. And I don't know if they're mistakes, just different paths. Uh, some guys are all quiet and just want to worry about fishing and let the fishing talk for itself. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, that's like, that's like the way that we all would like the, to Ke- the Kennedy approach. Yeah. And then you have <laughs> the other side that's just all social media, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put anybody in a category there at all, but just it's just all social media maybe doesn't quite have the substance. So, well, I, think- I mean, like I think you say like a Gerald Swindle, he's a good angler, but he's a great personality. Right. Like yeah, I'm not I'm gonna say, but he's he's a really good angler, but he's even a better personality. Right. So like yeah. um, he's not even going that far up. Like he's he's still got two a two bass. No, I, but I'm just saying like. If if he was a, a a guy that was quiet like a Cliff Pace, he'd still be popular, but he wouldn't be a superstar. Is what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. basically, not, if you I'm just been angler, uh, no, no, like, no. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. No, definitely, definitely not. Like, he's got a bubbly personality. He's super funny. I mean, there's a reason why he's got a billion people that follow follow what he does. I mean, uh, Swindle's definitely one of the best. Um, but yeah, just you, you got to kind of you got to be good on the water. You got to be good off the water. I mean, none of us would have a job if, if you can't sell tackle and if you can't move something, then none of us would have a job. I mean, that's just what a brass tacks little thing is. So once you kind of, once you know that and establish it today, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just always, I don't know what won't work for other people, but I know it worked for me. And, and I just am constantly growing i'm nowhere near to the point where i think i'm going to get to and what i'm working for but i also look at the swindles and the polynix and i've always since the very start i mean from go for bass masters i pick you and ryan brandt your dad and stuff like that the top dogs and that was the guy that i wanted to beat out there we can be best friends but i want to beat you you know what i mean like that's what i want to do to the next level to when it was capra and seth and all that at the state level to now looking at guys like Polinick and Swindle and stuff that not only are they hammers on the water, they are hammers off the water and and they're always putting up that bar. So what, what you got, you know, what somebody has got to do in business is, is I'll tell you this, stay, stay loyal to sponsors as best as you can. Um, 
because they're they're huge and and for me i just picked the ones that i wanted to use it is terribly tough to sell product and and promote if you don't have confidence or don't want to be using that product anyway so i'd rather work from the bottom up with with the companies that i that i want to work with hence shimano sims stuff like that and and that that definitely helps me do my job because i can't physically catch a bass without a shimano router uh, g loomis router or shimano reel so i should have constant content all the time on its own but you also have to be out there fishing man you gotta you gotta be out there because uh i swear they get better and better every single day they just come in as 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 people are able to travel around more and stuff like that that I just think you have to do, you have to be able to manage it. But like you said earlier, you know, for where I was at, Bree and I didn't have any kids. Uh, that was a big one. Basically made a choice to not, um, because they're expensive, you know, and, and it's a, and it's a being home. And it's one thing to leave my wife at home. It's another thing to leave my wife and my kids at home. You know, it's just something that there's a lot of really good fishermen, yourself included, that could definitely be making runs out there on the national level, but uh, have responsibilities back at home and stuff like that. So I just did, I just did some things that would work for me. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a dream for Bree and I both. So once I left my job, my goal was to get her out of hers. She kind of found her niche and, and, and now we're off and rolling, but uh, it seems like you need to have a fishing degree and a social media degree uh, to be, you know, the top of the sport. That's for sure. Yeah. You can buy a lot of OG wiggle awards for what it costs for skates and breezers and put a kid through hockey. I'll tell you that. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, and you know, not getting into like details, but there's several companies that you work with now that you were almost more of a contractor for like just boots on the ground working more than a sponsorship that like, you know what I mean? Like you started and, and treated it like a job and it was a job to some degree that, you know, blossom into bigger relationships. And that's kind of what, you know, like probably got you through some of those rough years, right? Because you, you kind of had a, you worked for these companies on the road, right? So that, that was a big part of it, you know, not getting into details of all that, but like, you know, think about those things. Like you got to be able to set yourself up to, I think the biggest thing is, I think going back to his question, what I see is too many people think they're just going to go out and fish for one to two years and make it. Yeah, and you need to sit down and come up with a plan that's going to give you a five plus year runway if you yeah. don't catch them, right? No, fact, think- yeah, even if you do catch them, man, you can still be in and out of the sport really, really quick. Um, uh, definitely. And I remember, I remember telling Ryan Brandt my whole plan. You know, I had the companies you talked about. I had Biovex and Navionics, and uh, I, I, you know, those two companies, both of them, I did more of a you know, kind of help Biovex with some pro staff stuff. They're trying to get in the U S Navionics. I, I went to the stores. So that was, that was hugely useful. I learned, you know, what the, what the sales side of the branding of, of all the companies I'm with is, but I also, you know, I had, I had an investment. I wasn't just putting money on my credit cards. Like I, I, I just took the money they're going to give me uh, as reimbursement and threw that into the open. So they kind of had like a double, a little bit of a double whammy though. I was nobody at the opens, but I remember telling Ryan Brandt sitting there next to him and he was like, you're really going to go try to do all this and all that. I'm like, I am dude. I'll probably get my butt kicked for the first five years. But if I, if I can get through five years, if, if I can, if I can learn, uh, I, I think I can be, I think I can, you know, make this thing a living and, uh, mm-hmm. so far so good. You know, I'm on that path. Yeah. Logan says, uh, what's the best Shimano bait casting reel that's, I don't know, budget, reasonably priced. Uh, the, Corrado, the Corrado, the Corrado, okay. Yeah, Corrado, I would say, 
another one, the SLX XT, depending yeah. on what your budget is. Yep, SLX is good Rio. Uh, the Crowdo K179, you know, I, I think it's the best Crowdo that they've come out with in uh, a really, really long time. It's it, The Crowdo's always been a good one, but this one in particular to me is uh, really, really good for under $200, and it's like 179 but I, I beat the crap out of them, and they just keep working. <laughs> yeah, and I think if the SLX, I'd bump up to that XT and spend that extra thirty bucks if you can. That gets you a little extra. I think Bigger. better than that one. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, no problem. Uh, it's no Castaic though, no Shimano Castaic. But... Super free, Castaic super free. <laughs> yeah. I still got one. I, I don't know. use it very much, but I still got one. I know. Uh, let's see. Anytime I see that, every now and then I get a co-angler or something that's got one, and I think about you right away. The old Castaic Super Free. Yeah, that's cool. So, obviously, you and uh, and Bree work together. Uh, it's kind of a you know she's got her thing, you got your thing, and you kind of got your joint thing. To be, I mean, right? Like, how much of the social is collaborative? Like, are you, uh, how much are you on your social answering questions? Like, how, how do you handle that? Yeah, I'll answer all my questions. I'm usually the one, do, I'm, I do the posts and stuff. Bree's based, uh, she does, you know, runs the camper. Um, of course, everything back here takes care of the dog, travel arrangements, all that kind of stuff. But then she's the muscle behind the photos and the video. She, sure. She's good at, ma- at doing the photos and, and stuff like that. And, I mean, I, obviously, you know, I mean, I did it a long time by myself on the road. I can, I can snap a photo and stuff like that. And, but I, I do my own posts and that, that's, that's always me uh, doing that stuff. Uh, Bree's a little bit more, you know, home and private and I'm more, more uh, outspoken or whatever. And, and can do the she's post. the artsy one and you're the technical one in the social. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah, something like that. Actually, she's far more technical. I can't. I can't figure out how to get on this thing from my phone. No, I mean, like technical as far yeah. as like yeah. the specifics of the posts, not the tech savviness of the the the, the social. Yeah, uh, but it's great. You know, you got guys like Brandon and stuff out there that are that are you know their their camera people aren't cheap. And and though at the same time, uh, I get a bargain on Bree's price, but she did leave a good job where she was making you know sixty five seventy thousand dollars a year to uh, go on the road with me, and that that was a hit. Um, you know, we are just getting to the point where we were doing you know real good together, her mm-hmm. job, and then me fishing, and then we took another hit when she came. But now you know things are going because we can produce that content, and and we like to say we live rich. You know, we, we get to go fishing every day. We travel around the country, but we're to we're together, dude. That was by far the hardest part is, is being gone for a month, you know, month and a half at a time. Uh, now this time of year, instead of traveling back and forth through the bad weather, all that, we can just, you know, stay down here together and, and all that. So <laughs> for that part of it, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Any plans for, uh, for a cooking segment? Are you guys like, yeah, uh, stuff going on. We got to start getting the cooking stuff, uh, going in the camper, more that'll be more breeze we're, we're gonna get life in the bass lane we've been shooting a lot uh it'll be mostly around the tournaments and stuff like that but we'll start branching out with with some companies stuff and doing some behind the scenes stuff a little bit a little bit more but you know, I, I at the same time i don't want stuff to be a distraction i'm not sure i'm not that good dude i, I gotta keep my nose and keep keep chasing the fish all the time that's i'm a, i'm after trophies more than ever that's that's what i want that'll get me to everything that I've been dreaming of getting, I, I just got to go. I got to win. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so there was a question earlier, like, where did you learn to cook? And I think I know, but like, I don't know. That's. Yeah, I got a cooking background. Um, my my dad did did competition barbecue, uh, some a few you know a few years back when he was living in Colorado. So I, I kind of my way around the grill. Uh, Bree and I've been together since damn near high school, so we just kind of self taught cooking. But I, I was in the restaurant industry, bartending, so I was always uh, paying attention. You know, my heart was in the kitchen, but the money was in the front of the house, unless you were going to go to be a you know a big time chef or something like that. So. Uh, just kind of that, but I, I swear to God, if, if, if Bassmaster or FLW or something isn't on the TV, then it's a cook, it's a cooking show and, yeah. and, and Bree kind of took it and ran with it now. So we're eating pretty good on the road. I, I, I don't know if people watch my stories more for my food stuff or for my fishing stuff, but I'm going to have to start paying more attention because people seem to like the, the cooking stuff too. Yeah. John, I'm pretty sure everything Josh does is Josh Douglas fishing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and I'll put some links down in the description for some reason. If you guys don't know him and you know me, then I'll, I'll put some links in there afterward. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, Connor. We uh, Josh said the Corredo uh, was his favorite budget Shimano, and I said check out the SLX XT. But his question: Do you think the DC makes a big difference? Yeah, I mean, you know, Rich, back in the day when we were trying to get D- Shimano DC reels out of Japan and stuff, because that was <laughs> the place to get them. Uh, here's my thing with the DC. It, it, it'll help, uh, an angler that can't cast that great. And it'll help an angler that can cast great. So if, 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 you know, backlashes are, are a common thing for you, it might be good. You can crank it down a little bit. You're going to lose some casting distance and all that. But I mean, you literally can, if, with the right, with the right settings, cast and never touch the thumb. Don't think you can do that on every setting because you can also tune them to if you're a real good caster and, and so where i like i like a dc is stuff like um throwing jerk baits because right. whenever you're throwing jerk baits, it seems to be really cold and windy and stuff like that and i i get a little bit more distance and stuff out, out of my cast so yeah yeah i i mean dc it, it's sweet plus it makes a really cool noise every time you cast yeah so i would say for a, a new angler it can help you all around and help you build confidence mm-hmm. into using a bait caster <clears throat> For an experienced angler, it has its niche applications. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, more distance. You're just going to be able to fine tune it, and, and you're going to be able to get more distance uh, and stuff like that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Gabe asks here, what, what were your top five producing baits last year? What, what what five baits put the most bass or or checks in the bank last year? Um. Or a couple. Uh, I don't know. Largemouth, smallmouth, doesn't matter. No, just uh, well, five. I mean, largemouth, I did well. You know, on Rayburn, I did really well with a swim bait on a mega bass head. Uh, mega bass makes like a three quarter ounce jig thing, but it has a weed guard on it. It's big, and uh, but it had the right hook. I was able to mm-hmm. take it all apart, and use it as like a jig head, and just put a swim bait on it and throw it in brush piles. Um, I also threw with a big bow spawn worm, the ten inch worm uh in there so that that was always good uh florida i did well on a chatter bait i uh, got a I did well i uh, did I a couple checks on raven last year rattle trap and stuff but i mean a ned rig is big for me we were talking about that earlier ned rig swimmer when we're talking small mall stuff football jig ned rig carolina rig 
Uh, that's the thing. It's a tough question because, you know, when you fish all across the country, it's like you got different boxes for different areas. Yeah, bass still kind of eat all the same things, but then there's little little things about it that, that um, you know, you're throwing a frog at one place, you're drop shotting at the next. But uh, if, if I had to only pick, you know, three baits for smallmouth, I would say a uh, uh, Ned Rig, a uh, single swimmer, a single swimmer, and I guess a top water, like a shower blow or something like it. And our jerk bait, God dang it! I like it. I'll put the jerk bait in the multi in the largemouth side, and then I'm still a jig guy, dude. I throw a jig, I, I throw a jig a bunch, and and a buzz bait. Yeah. Buzz so bait. like classic tackle junkie, he named seventy five things when we asked him for five. Yeah, and I can still go. <laughs> actually, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got some secret type stuff that works and all that kind of good stuff, but at the same time, it's just one of those one of those deals that a bass. <laughs> you know, bass eats what you're most comfortable with generally. Yeah. Chris, uh, Josh is mainly an FLW tour guy slash MLF, but he's also fishing some opens this year. Uh, yeah. To answer that question, I know we broke up. I mean, my goal is to fish at the highest level, whatever it is, wherever it is. Um, and, and to fish them all if, if, if I can, you know, I, yeah. I, I try to put myself in a position to, to have some options at the end of the year. And, and, uh, yeah. and it's a good, it's, it's a good thing, man. Options are good. Yeah, so I mean, if you make it to the elites on the opens points in the division you're fishing, there's no decision, right? No, I, I can't say that, man. I, no? I, I, I can I can say that you know a lot of it depends on schedule and stuff like that and and how everything goes. Um, my my, I can tell you it would be a zero decision for me to try to fish them both. And and all honesty, okay. that's what I would I would do. I would just I, I want to fish both. And and the more I'm fishing, the more opportunities I'm going to have to over the next 20 years, try to collect as many trophies as I can get lucky enough to get. So I, I would, I, I swear I'm, I'm really not like the organization is going to win every single week, no matter where you're fishing, they're going to have a winner. Uh, yep. As an angler, man, I, whatever that stage is, it's going to give, keep getting me better and put me in, in front is it. Uh, I got love for them all. I, I really, really, truly do. But yeah, my heart has always been, I wanted to be an elite angler. You guys know that from Minnesota, all that kind of stuff. But I also walked off that FLW stage after taking a top 10 with every bone in my body, looking forward to coming right back, right back to there again, like so many, so many awesome anglers have done. So it, it's a lot harder question than that. Sure. Really. Yeah. So, so T Chang likes to ask the tough questions. He wants to want you to open up a vein and talk about that big one. You lost at Rayburn. <laughs> yeah, that one was, you know, did you see it? No, no, I never saw that one, which is nice. Nobody else saw my day two. Actually, I, I lost like two that were over eight that I did see um, both on the drop shot. Uh, it was just one of those that were one of them. Uh, same type of deal that that brush pile was, except he came out of the brush pile with my line still in it. And he busted like five feet on the back side of it. And he had a mouth like a five gallon bucket. And then went right back into the brush and eventually broke me off. That, that was just, I was fishing all around the right stuff. Uh, I had those fish really pegged. I mean, I, I tried to fish grass. That's what I wanted to do for the first first day and a half I was there. And then the next two days, I just idled. And I idled. I literally marked 25 brush piles, went back, made a cast on the first one, caught a seven-pounder, and never made a cast again. I just kept looking for them uh, from that point on. But if, yeah, that, that fish, if I would have got it out, I would have, I would have won that tournament. I didn't know it then. I honestly didn't even know, you know, it was weird. Every other time I've been on live, I've had the live boat in my boat, but because the opens have, 
a co-angler and COVID, they're outside mm-hmm. my, so the whole time I, I'm surprised I wasn't swearing and stuff. I, I didn't even know I was technically on live. I had no idea, uh, how people, you know, how people were doing it. There was a lot of us within eyesight right away, but then that crowd kind of broke up and I saw them come and go, but yeah, I never did until I came in and Breed gave like this, the one up single, like I was in first and then, then I got real. You know, the, the guy that didn't update his bass truck all day had a good bag. You so. know, and about that, he was actually standing right behind me in line for the whole hour. I was in line waiting to weigh in, and 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 he just didn't speak English, dude. He just right. didn't speak. Like, they, they, you know, I'd ask him, you know, how how you know did you got him? You know, no, I don't, I don't know. You know, he just said, I, I, he just smile and nod his head. And, yeah, <laughs> he just didn't know. And so I was like, you know, I took that as, oh, he doesn't have them, but he just, you know, didn't know how to put it. You know, wasn't you know communicating that over or whatever but uh uh but yeah no if that one out of that brush pile came out that would have been a that would have been a different deal but the drop shot was my last resort every time but sometimes you just not going to get the bite it still caught me a couple four and five pounders in that tournament but uh you know that i landed i I saw some heartbreak on that dang drop so it's like you're not even in the position to win if you catch the big ones without it and then it's also the one that that bites you because right so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you think the so you've you've been on live a handful of times on the final day and opens in an FLW. You is the pressure any different? Do you block it out? What's what's that like? No, I, honestly, for me, the the pressure is better. You know, when I'm catching them every day that I start, my worst my worst pressure is the you know the morning before the tournament is is when I feel the most pressure. You're just never really sure if what you have is going to stay and all that, if I catch them after day one, you, I, I start gaining confidence pretty quick that I can go back there and make, you know, make more or, or change with them. Um, you know, I just, I feel like I got good vibes. So it, it, once the live camp, like, nah, that, that really doesn't bother me. If anything, it just makes me, you know, yeah. live it up a little bit more and make sure you don't make a stupid cast and backlash. That's about yeah, it. I think my, if you make it to day four, your confidence is already here, right? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. If yeah. you're if you're in the in the position to win, you've already been making good decisions all week. You've been catching them; things have been going your way. I think the last thing you're worried about is a camera at that point, because you're just you're you're kind of dialed and focused by that point. So yeah, yeah, and and the camera, you know, looking back at all the the videos that you and I shot 13, 14 years ago. I mean, all that helps, man. I, I remember sitting there and Greg Huff putting up with so much, just trying to shoot a little video. I mean, I'm talking 30 takes, 40 takes, trying to spit out a sentence. That kind of stuff really helps, uh, you know, when you do got the camera in your face uh, during bigger moments and stuff like that, uh, for sure. But, like, my first live moment was in, in 18 on Kentucky Lake. and But mm-hmm. there's pressure. Lambert already lapped the whole field. Yeah. You know? Like we were fishing for second place, so it, it, that that winning thing was wasn't there. Like it was, you know, Kissimmee. I I kind of felt it. I thought I thought maybe I'd have a shot. I got the nerves a little bit, but no, I I usually am pretty excited, man. If if I'm if I'm catching them and feel good, I, I'm usually pretty focused on that. Cool. So any uh, there was a couple questions about videos and webinars. You got anything in the works this year that's new, or you just kind of keep doing what you've been doing for the channel and for webinars or with Seth and all that? What's uh... yeah, the Seth and I we always talk about doing the webinars. The problem is we fish different circuits and we're three hours apart. Uh, we live, you know, it was a lot easier when he was my next door neighbor. 
uh, to pump out, to pump them out. Now he lives closer to you. Um, so we talk about it, you know, we, we always want to, it's just a matter of us actually getting together and now season starting. So I don't see it happening anytime too soon. Um, but at the same time, uh, definitely, you know, webinars are something that we got to bring back. Um, and then, and then life in the bass lane, that's, you know, we're going to, I've, I've kind of always done a recap, but we're going to try to keep it like a, a little bit more of a series, a little bit more of an in-depth look of what practice was like. She's going to be in the boat with me. Sure. Uh, some of that kind of see what I'm going through, uh, you know, mentally and then, and then the tournament. And then obviously afterwards it, we'll get into, you know, what I used and stuff like that. And then, you know, people like what's on my deck, people like that. Um, I, I like it. You know, I remember, you remember digging, we still do dig through the internet, trying to find and learn anything you can, um, like it. So just, you know, simple things like what leader line you're using or what treble hook mm-hmm. you on a certain jerk bait, uh, pretty popular so i'm gonna definitely keep them coming and then and then i like doing the product stuff i mean you know you know more than anybody rich one of my biggest goals in life is to have a fishing show and it's just like the new age fishing show isn't like the you know the old tnt ones or nothing like that mostly online and stuff like that now so i kind of you kind of got to create your own uh for most of that so that that's kind of the goal and doing the product stuff for shields and and all that kind of stuff and my sponsors that's something that brie and i enjoy enjoy doing for sure yeah, so we could you're, a little more production to your tournament coverage this year is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, hey, if you need, I can host you and fighter. I can put, I can, I can set this up a three way cam. So if you need me to facilitate it, just let me know. Well, yeah, definitely. We we might have to. I mean, that's just probably the problem. You're right. I never thought about. We never even really talked about not being in the same in the same place when we do it so i'll moderate i'll be a little guy down the corner i'll put you guys up on the big screen we can roll it yeah they're they're popular man people really people really like like the webinar series and and to be honest with you i like doing seminars webinars um all that stuff's all right all right you know it's a good time so we'll we'll definitely get them back on track cool yeah, I, I mean, I, I started doing these back in April, and these just are a blast to me. I mean, even if it wasn't, like, doing well in the channel and, 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 and good for the channel and the growth, and but, like, it's just – it's it's awesome. Like, having these conversations, hanging out with guys. I mean, once we get into it, it just – we could be across the deck in the garage having a beer, and it wouldn't feel much different, to be honest. So They always are. That's always, like, one of those things, like, oh, I got to – deal to get on and by the end of it you know somebody's got to shut you up and tell you to go away because we'll just sit there and talk it's just talking fishing man it's what we all like to do so dang much is just talk about bass fishing that's for sure and you've been you've been killing it dude i like the little deal you got going and you got uh you've been having some awesome awesome uh guests coming on and stuff like that bradley hallman one of my favorite uh, bradley for quite some time and, and looked up to his fishing ability coming out of oklahoma and stuff like that so he's uh um yeah you've been having some awesome guests dude keep it up yeah it'll be cool clark ream next week and i don't know if you yeah, know clark, clark yeah, oh yeah a, i know clark yeah he'll be you good and clark, you and clark go way back for kind we of do a little bit yeah. uh but he's he's a talker and uh he'll give you the honest answer when you guys yeah. ask him questions next week he's he's uh he's a great interview not that i mean yeah. most of these guys are but he's little something spicy about him <laughs> yeah he'll, 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 he'll throw you a little better bone yeah a little, little better he's a little edgier when he talks and gets uh so it'll be good well he's been doing it for a long time dude he's been around you know he's been he's fished the elites for a long long time he's, he's been around the block he's got 
he knows what's going on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You got any uh, new partners for this year? Or is it all pretty much the same portfolio as last year? Or? Yeah, I tend to stick with the same. Um, no, I, I, uh, blue storm life jackets are pretty nice. There's always kind of only Onyx and Mustang before, you know, mm-hmm. um, Mustangs are nice. Uh, blue storms actually a Japanese company, um, kind of like the Mustang of Japan. And, uh, there, they came under label blue storm, but other than that, no, uh, I did switch. Yeah. I mean, there's some, I'm running a ghost this year. Okay. Uh, finally, finally, uh, went all in on the Lawrence product and pretty dang happy, man. I know people want to talk about active target. Um, I basically wish I was fishing more. I've been trying to catch up on lost time. You know, I did have live site and actually utilized live site. You know, it, it was nothing. It, it, it was grade A. It was Gen 1 pan optics is exactly right. when I did the Scott Martin challenge with Scott. And I was in his boat on Mille Lacs. He had Gen 1 pan optics at the time. And uh, or was it pan, yeah, pan optics? And, and uh, it, you know, it, it, it was on that level of caliber. So it still was useful. You know, I use it to take that top 10 at the at the cup fishing brush piles. I used it. For the brush piles on Rayburn, uh, even you know I, I broke down coming back from St. Clair, um, but this year you know I was one of the the dumbasses that made that giant run all the way across the area through Detroit River and into St. Clair, um, even though it was one ten minutes away from the launch, dropping rock dropping on boulders like I like to do, but still uh, I, I made that big run and and I caught him caught him good you know using live site so i have some familiarity but active targets the real the real real deal you know i knew it was going to be at, i'd known it was coming for for quite some time saw some of the stuff coming out of there but now i actually have it on my boat it's uh you know but it's again it's it's just another thing but one thing i want to talk about too is is the ghost like it's it's super quiet and it's a mile an hour faster it's brushless it's cableless it's i can't tell you how quiet that trolling motor is and when you're in a place like florida like okeechobee they don't really care about uh uh you know an active target or, or a live scope now mark my words i'm sure it'll get one in the middle or in the channel or something by somebody using it but at the same time you know when you're in shallow vegetation it's more it, my my active target right now is more of a weed collector than than anything but that sure. trolling motor on the other hand is super <laughs> stealthy dude it's it's uh it's uh i think that's going to be the big movement man i think you're going to start to see you know as everyone now is talking about all these transducers clicking in the bass they're they're hearing them you know they're reacting to them you know where Two years ago on St. Clair, they'd come under my boat all day. You know, now they didn't necessarily want to do that last year when I was in St. Clair. I'd watch them come and then they'd go off to the side and have to spin the trolling motor around to figure out they didn't want to use the boat. They didn't want to go under the boats. And so with that, I, I and, you know, uh, and, and when I took, you know, I'm jumping all over when I took fifth on Kissimmee, I mean, I had my graphs off. You know what I mean? Like off. And mm-hmm. and um, it's a big deal. You know, if you jump out and tread water next to your boat, you'll hear it. You know, you'll hear it going. So stealthiness is, uh, stealthiness is huge. And I think you're going to see a big push in them trolling motors to how, how, how can we get in thicker stuff and how can we be even quieter? Because that, that's the key to catching a lot more bass. And one thing to be said about that, Bree and I, Bree and I, one day we're, we're coming in, there's a bunch of lily pads. We dropped the troll. We I fished them all. Like when they fished them hard, you know, she was recording me with the video camera and it got like two or three bites, rats, nothing big. 
dropped my power poles. We ate, we split a sandwich and I jumped back up on my deck without touching the thing. It had been 10 minutes. This was all accidental. And I must've pulled 12 of them out of those hmm. different pad clumps that I hadn't had before. And I have to believe that was just purely because I hadn't moved in 10 minutes. You know, that them fish are trained, them shallow water fish of all things that they're trained. And I, I think, so yeah, no, no mini changes. I, I'm not running the Minn Kota, I'm running the ghost. Um, Random and coded my whole life have zero bad things to say about about them, but uh, at the same time, I'm very very impressed with how quiet the the brushless motors really are. Right, and, and a big, I mean, part of this going down to Florida is getting do, tuned in with your live target and learning about the ghost and like getting these new products dialed in for when it counts, right? So that's mainly, yeah, you know, showing up. You, heck, I, I don't care. You know, it's you, you have a problem no matter which way. Before it was, you know, five six years ago, I was trying to keep a boat running. And, and to be able to get down there and now you get a new one in and they're never quite a hundred percent the way, the way you want them, you know, one power pole goes up, the other one doesn't type stuff. You got to fit, you know, just, you got to, you got to re-rig it. You put a, you put a negative wire where you weren't supposed to put a negative wire or something like that. And, and, but that's another thing too. I recommend everybody, especially if you're going to start jumping up, fish these national tournaments uh, that have $2,000 plus entry fees and stuff to, when you're rigging a boat and, and stuff, try to do it yourself or, you know, Steve Catlin and Warner's dock helps me a ton. Um, but at the same time, I'm sitting right there. That way I know where everything is to, to try to fix the problem on the fly. Cause if anyone has learned the hard way, it's definitely, definitely me. I've, I've learned the hard way. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily have to do it yourself, but you better, better know how it's done so that you know yeah. what to do. Cause boats don't, I mean, they just, we beat the, just a bejesus out of them down the road across the lakes the things we put them through not all the components are designed to handle it uh you know as much as they try to engineer it we just put them through stuff and so and that's a big thing like whether you're fishing local tournaments or at the top level like being able to get yourself out of a jam and 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 grab a pliers a screwdriver and some electrical tape and get yourself back to the weigh-in is a big deal (laughs) no it is it's it's a big big deal and and just trying to figure out where something is and now even like like the one for me that i'm trying to you know two-day practices for the pro circuit for the tour two-day practices is, is is tough man you know that's it's it's i don't know you're gonna have to rely on instinct and all my better tournaments that i've had i figure something out during the tournament for the most part um, so I'm gonna have to rely on that a lot. Um, but yeah, definitely being, making sure your stuff is flawless and, and it's working. So you, so I can utilize those two full days of practice and all that kind of good stuff is sure. just big time important. Are you going to pre-practice because of that or not? Uh, yeah, no, I am. I'm mainly cause I haven't been to a lot of these lakes. Um, yeah. you know, Okeechobee, I've only been once, uh, Smith Lake. I've been a couple of times, but if there is a fit, if there, you know, those lakes are the ones that beat me up. Like it's where I need to go and park my camper for a while. Spotted bass hurt me every single year. I don't know if I've actually even got a check in my life on true, on just true spots. Uh, I've been close, you know, like, like Martin, I missed by an ounce this year, missed a check, a good point getter, but at the same time, you know, missed the payday and that's one ounce for 10 grand. Didn't you do well at Logan Martin once? Yeah, but I caught large. Uh, the first day I had spot, I finished 14th in Logan Martin and open. The there was a few day. spots, but it was majority large amount. All spots. Yeah. The second day they completely left. I didn't know what to do. And there were spawners even at that. And then I, I ran back and caught a, a four and a three pound largemouth uh, on stumps. But yeah, no, their spots just, yeah, I just, they're, they're, I don't know why. I catch them every day in practice. 
every day in practice. But, uh, you know, I think I got to I don't, I don't think like the fish, you know, I think, I don't know. I don't know why I really don't, you know, the yeah. first thing from anything we fish in Minnesota, uh, but still there's plenty of other guys from Minnesota that can, that, that catch them better than I do. So, uh, the spotted bass factories are definitely a place I, I spent, uh, plan to spend some time, but yes, I do, you know, Lake Murray, I've never been to, there's a few of those lakes you fall. I've never been to And even, even I do generally pre-practice, but most of the time I don't ever make a cast. I, I really don't. Uh, the preconceived notions will kill you. And, and I, I just want to know where everything is. Where's their good docks? Where's their good laydowns? Where's their grass? Where's, where's the, where's the gas station? Like, oh, like. the boat ramp, man. The boat ramp, like all that kind of stuff is just, just nice to spend a couple of days and then, and then get out of there with a little bit of idea of what, you know, where's the clean water, where's the dirty water, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it sounds simple, right? But belt ramps, gas stations, tackle stores, like two days of practice, you can't be spending 30 minutes finding gas. You know what I mean? Like those, no. those things add up in a two day practice. Like, <clears throat> No, it adds up huge. That could be that that hour or half hour you missed could have been the half hour that you got that right bite that, you know, triggered triggered something. So, uh, you know, the pre-practice, again, I, I don't cast much. I, I really don't. That, that you know, you end up chasing chasing an old thing, and that'll hurt, hurt you worse, I think, you know, because then sure. you're chasing bites that are phantom bites that you're not going to get again. Yeah, you and, wait still two days checking stuff that you shouldn't be checking. Exactly. And, and again, I think that's why, uh, you know, FLW tour anglers, once you, once you get into that rhythm of fishing at a tour, level, well, it can be the elites too. Once you get, once you get a rhythm on that, on, on like a tour level, you learn that you only get a two and a half days to practice, to find the fish. You need to keep finding them and, and fishing just Toyotas and opens and stuff like that doesn't necessarily get you just toy just gets you tour ready because mm-hmm. you, you can practice for 10 days, you know, but, but, you know, fighter or Polonic or them boys are going to serve you your lunch. Brian Thrift is going to just eat you up. If, if, if that's how you practice uh, to find fish, if you, if you need that much time, because, you know, if it ain't working for him, he's going to figure it out in five minutes, it seems like, and, and, and retool and, and be on him. So uh, again, I just think, you know, knowing knowing what you're could face, so you have some ideas and come up with a game plan. But at the same time, you don't want to have too much information. Um, you know, thinking you're going to get bit because you got bit there before doesn't always translate. Heck, half the time that don't translate from practice into the tournament, let alone from pre-practice to the actual tournament. For sure. Uh, do you think there's any difference in the way fish respond to traditional 2D sonar versus front-facing? Like, are they are they less wary of the front facing? Is it a different frequency? Have you seen anything? Well, I'm still pretty new with the front facing. I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess they're going to get for, you know, they sound the same. The transducer sound, sound the same to, to, you know, my ear. So I, mm-hmm. I don't do big of a deal. I, I think mostly the shadows of the boat and stuff like that are also keeping them from, going right at that no i don't necessarily think that they are but i mean i've heard guys say it and that that's what i like about the forward looking technology even more so than catching the fish is take a a lake like malax that i I know really really well if it's spring and i can see the fish with my eyes i can quickly tell you you know i'm not talking about bed fish they're they're bed fish cruisers cruisers i can throw an array of baits at them that day and figure out what it is that they want to bite and then and then run run with that the rest of the time well 
having eyes under the water like that to see things moving around you live is huge too. So I could pull up to, you know, a couple of my good dots that, that there's always a school around here and I can start throwing baits at them and I can just watch the way the fish react. You know, a lot of times they watch your bait go down, you watch them take off the same as a post bond cruiser would if you chuck a Senko at them when he is 10 feet away from you, you know, just away they go. They don't want it. And then other ones, you see them come in, look at it and then go away. And then other ones that just connect. And it seems like, okay, now I, I got your number a little bit. I got right. you. So you can pretty quickly determine like, okay, they're coming in on it, but they're not eating it. I maybe just need to change the color. Um, yep. If yep. you throw it in there and disappear, you're like, okay, we need to like go finesse or I need to show them a reaction bait or show, right? Like, okay, they're, they're, they're spooked by the tube. I either know to go throw a fly or a jerk bait or a swim bait, right? Like, yeah, they didn't like that, you know, you know right away, you know, the, the way they react and turn away and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But if they show some interest and don't commit, then, you know, you just need to tweak it or throw some yeah. bang on it. <laughs> bang will get the job done. You don't be telling everybody the secrets. No. <laughs> nice. Uh, Sean's got a good question. He's one of our, our rider dies. He's, he, he's, he's a bass fishing stream junkie. Uh, what are your thoughts? How do you, how do you just, I mean, outside of what we just talked about <laughs> and seeing the fish react, if, if you don't have live target, what, what, uh, when do you go drop shot versus Ned? Um, yeah. Uh, for me, I like, well, first of all, in the spring and the post spawn, we still have all that crap, that, that algae that's growing on the mm-hmm. rocks and stuff like that. So a drop shot's your better choice because the knit rig is going to get all um, rigged up. But, you know, it just, again, it depends on the fishery and what the bait is for me most of the time. Um, if the smallies seem to be coughing up a lot of um, crawdads, then I want something generally more on the bottom. If they're eating a lot of bait fish and they're and they're coughing up little tubies and perch and stuff like that, then then I tend to go uh, with the drop shot. The drop shot is also real good, you know, in the post spawn and stuff like that. A weightless piece of plastic is a good choice. But, you know, I haven't found where one or the other, you know, if, if it's deeper, I tend to go towards the drop shot because I can get, you know, a three-eighths or a half-ounce weight. And definitely if I'm using my electronics to see them. So not if I'm casting to them, but if, if I, if they're just coming under my transducer and I have that amount of time to get a bait to them, then I tend to lean towards a drop shot because again, I put a half ounce weight on it and just drop it on their face like that. That's the biggest thing for me is I'm probably, if I don't know anything, I'm going to probably go drop shot because I can fish it faster and more efficient. Uh, I, I, I mean, the Ned absolutely catches them, but that's kind of a, I'd rather catch them some other way because it's just so slow, right? Um, I mean, I mean, you can fish a heavy Ned head, but that oftentimes takes the appeal away of the Ned, right? Um, so exactly. this is an interesting question, which brings back some, some horrible memories. <laughs> Who is that? I don't know. Maybe he's fishing the league. Maybe he's looking for juice on the, uh, the NFLP, NFPFL. Is- I don't know. That's the one where we found where we thought we were like we, oh, we thought we were gonna blow away the tournament because we found so many fish in a canal and nobody else was in there. It was clean, like oh, and we found it like late in practice, like four o'clock, and we had to be off the water by four thirty. Like <laughs> I didn't even know how to run a boat then. I think I speared a wave like ten times just trying to get to it. Yeah, that was uh, that was I think the one and only time I've ever been there. To yeah, uh, so yes. That's the only time I fish it in the spring. Well, I guess I fish in BFLs. Uh, so I've actually fished it a fair amount in the spring. Uh, but yeah, so why we were chuckling, Josh and I fished one season in the NABC. 
which I don't know how we could have possibly done worse than we did. Bad, yeah. Two guys that, not to brag, but probably like in the local tournaments, cash checks more than half the time, conservatively. Like we're, we were cash check cashers back in, I mean, like, right? Like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. And you yeah. put us two together and one plus one equaled negative four that year. <laughs> like yeah, it didn't, didn't go have, well. We didn't have much time. We didn't practice a whole bunch. You know, we give it a, a solid day of practice, something, something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. For some reason, we just never had our, we never had our tournament that year. It was still fun though. Yeah, but uh, but um, so oh God, you can fit you can fish that like so many ways. It's such a diverse system. Um, you can catch them deep. You can catch it's it fishes more shallow than not all year. Uh, the bago in the system. Um, there is some offshore smallies. Um, there's so many things you can do. It's a fun place to fish. And I've actually outside of that tournament, I've actually done pretty well there. Um, but uh, well, I think that tournament, I think that canal killed us. You yeah. Know? Th- we were so locked in, and then I think the wind switched, and it blew muddy water in there, and they weren't quite locked on, and they just left. Back there, like, we didn't even consider, like, another boat. If one other boat beat us and they idled, that they would muddy the whole canal going, going. Yeah. you know, we got in there, and it was all of a sudden muddy. We couldn't see nothing. No we couldn't leave. We just thought, well, they'll settle down. We'll be super quiet. We won't move around, and they just. There's 20 pounds in that thing the day before. Yeah. There it was that was nuts. Uh Bailey wants to know what's your hair jig rod spec setup? Yeah, it's just, it's well, a, a 901 NRX. Are you talking hair jig? We're talking marabou, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smally. Uh, yeah, the best one that you know, I love the 901 uh, NRX. They also make an IMX Pro. Uh, I think the the NRX is a little softer yet. Um uh, that that's the key is a really soft rod so it's like seven five nine oh one be seven six uh seven six medium light action um i'm using eight pound that's a, you know usually i use power pro ss v2 line which is real soft supple power pro you know makes no noise to the guides it's an awesome line but i don't use it i, I use eight pound uh, regular power pro just because it'll it can cast a mile and it's just like uh you know really light and uh yeah and then a shimano accents fourth fourth all my spinning reels are four thousand sizes uh that i use you know i might guide with some three thousands and twenty five hundreds but uh four four thousands are the only ones that i i use for myself and and a fighter fly is, is perfect and just put a little piece of the bottom side of a senko right on the fighter fly it has a little spot for it and then that'll help you just with casting distance you know get a little bit more plastic uh to cast yeah eight, eight pound fluorocarbon leader yeah so pretty 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 similar to what gussie said last week he fishes a 901 big spinning reel similar braid and then he just he ties his own versus the fighter fly so then that right yeah on the same page yeah so chad wants to know three takeaways for a complete river rookie mm. and, and josh won his first big tournament on the river so he's pretty much a river rat yeah yeah uh what what's it? three takeaways for and he's specifically talking about the mississippi river because i know chad well, i know he's asking for his son drew <laughs> yeah, uh you know similar the river has some similarities to florida down here uh certain vegetation is going to equate to bottom hardness uh deer tongue stuff like that eelgrass so knowing your vegetation current is going to be super huge um, those fish are current orientated fish. Even the ones that are in the back still have some sort of current level. Uh, 
storm that they're dealing with. And then water clarity is yep. a big one, something that fluctuates a lot. You know, as a general rule of thumb, I'm going to say that your river fishermen are going to be, have the better potential to be a turnkey pro uh, at the national scene, just because uh, one, their water is never same day after day after day. It ain't like Lake Minnetonka where you can probably still lean on the same waypoints. Um, you know, I know, I know the lakes changed a lot and I don't want to start that whole deal, but it's, it's a waypoint lake in general and where the river, that waypoint, just like down here in Florida can just, you might as well delete them and just, and just start over. Um, so water clarity, understanding the different types of vegetation and what that means, like for bottom hardness and then, and then current, I, I gotta be the, the top, the top three. Yeah. I think you nailed that current, uh, Especially for so like smallies, you're looking for harder current, but you're still looking for breaks. You're always looking for bait on the river. For largies, you're looking for that cleaner water where mm-hmm. the current or where you're filtering something, especially up here where you got vegetation. Um, but you're still that current is still gonna set them up in a particular spot. Um any tips for fish spawning smallmouth when you can't see them? Dirty uh, water. Yeah, they're t- that's it's uh, it's um, I mean they're biters still. So you got it. You, you, I'm trying to think of when I can't see them. Yeah, okay. Uh, same baits, same things. You know, they're but they're natural biters when they're on the beds more so than a largemouth uh, on its own. So this should be probably not easier to catch because they're easy to catch if you can just see that they bit your bait. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's going to be the same thing as a largemouth. You can't see, you know, you're just going to have to repetitively keep casting the spot that you think that there's a fish on the bed, and if it keeps picking up your bait, then you can kind of zero in on where he is and, until he actually grabs it. But then I'd probably, you know, I'd be less into the whole Ned rig thing and drop shot, and I'd probably just pick up like a Texas rig tube or a Texas rig beaver. And then that, talking about the river, like pool two, that's where we always went for the club, right? Yeah, pool tube. Drag a tube. <laughs> yeah, dragging a tube for smallies that you can't see, you know, and they're they're there, you know, they'll pick it up and you're like, oh, there's one. You flick it back, keep flicking, and all of a sudden you'll you'll watch your line run off. So, you know, I'd probably go to a bait caster more say more so with a with something like a beaver or tube on it if, if I can't see them. Yeah. The only thing I would say is that you can be a little more aggressive harder. They're a little more aggressive, they'll show themselves quicker than a large mouth will i think so definitely yeah i think i think like uh if you're searching for them i think running like a pivot head biffle head type thing would be a good way to figure out where they are and then you could slow down and grind on them with a tube definitely because that'll get you especially that'll get you and 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 i'll tell you this too uh where you get one bite there's probably more of them Mm -hmm. around they definitely spawn in clusters I mean, largies do to some degree, but smallies even more so. They're almost like bluegills in that respect. Especially, especially them river ones, for sure. Uh, a couple questions on why the 4,000s. Uh, yeah, that's an easy one. You know, back in the day, Andy Young was the one that got me on it. And then Seth was a Iowa guy. Uh, they, their 3,000s, I think, are, are bigger as yep. a general with them uh but I, it was funny because i was always in i get it the 2500 is just so you know pretty feels young. right like it and looks right it feels right on there it looks like yeah yep um but the reels one they're getting so much lighter now that 
that they actually balance out a rod better. And I'm using a little bit bigger rods a lot of times, like a seven, three, seven, two, something. But I remember right before I, I signed up for the opens, I went into a Bass University in Chicago and it was Brent Ayler was there. Hackney was there. Iconelli was there. Uh, Zona was there doing a deal and all, all of them across the board, but in particular, Brent Ayler and Zona, both spinning rod throwing fools both had 4,000 size reels on there. And it, it, it's, it's a no brainer, dude. They have a beefed, a bigger beefed up drag. Um, the, the spool is wider around it. So it has less line twist, which isn't a big deal with braid, but it's still there. I mean, you can still get some line twist depending on the bait you're throwing and all that. And it'll definitely cast further, you know, less resistance coming off the spool, uh, when you throw it. So beefier drag and they pick up, they pick up line quicker. So when you set the hook and, at the same time, not like with a bait cast, you know, everyone wants an eight speed when they're flipping because they can catch up line quick. Well, a spinning drag, even more so, they're pulling line. You know, they're pulling drag on you. So to be able to pull it down and then have that drag to, to get on top of them, the 4,000 just makes it a, a lot more sense to me. Uh, and then when you use Shimano's, they're already super light. So it don't really matter. Yeah, you nailed it. And uh, you can skip further also. Yeah, definitely can <laughs> skip further. Yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, man, there's so many good questions. Uh, I don't, did you ever look at the league? Did that ever cross your mind to try to fish the league? NF, NFPFL, LMFO? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, not, it didn't necessarily, you know, I, I wasn't a, a, a giant, wasn't a giant hurry, but again, the same thing, man. I, I just want, I just want trophies. And when, when I'm fortunate enough to earn them, nobody can take those away from you when you get them. Um, nobody say that they're not earned. It ain't nothing like that. So if, if, if a schedule came out and it, it worked and I looked at those dates and it worked, uh, yeah, man, I would fish. I, again, I just, I just want to fish as many high profile tournaments as I can while I'm uh, fortunate enough to do it. I mean, if you, you can sit around and, and, and wait to get on, you know, for one particular league, you know, and I, I think now you got to qualify for them all anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, may as well dabble and and try to and and try to get there because um you know it's just, it's just like i said for me it's just more opportunity that's that's really all i want is is the, is the opportunity yeah but, oh i a... never i never seriously like considered it though at the same time um i i, I think it's a good thing and i, I think they get they obviously got a lot of steam uh had a steam going over yeah. there that so again for both the anglers options are always good and for the fans of the sport options are good because it's just more bass fishing for sure yeah this is an interesting question and i've I've, I've pondered about this as well so we already talked about how john cox is basically like this wizard and Mm -hmm. uh and he's basically my hero because every time i see him catching him he's like his electronics are turned off or he didn't even mount the the side scan on his boat or i mean like he sometimes gets a little short credit. He can do more than he lets on for sure, but yeah. he does have a ton of success fishing shallow and he has a system. Uh, any thoughts on why you think he has so much success running the, his program shallow and why more guys haven't been able to duplicate it and what he does? Well, first of all, Cox is, Cox is no rookie. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. And dude's younger than me, but he's been around for just a long time. And I know. I didn't realize even until I was watching old FLWs from like 
you know, a while back and, and Cox and Cox was on there just trying to watch, you know, different Okeechobee tournaments and stuff like that. So he's definitely been around, he's been around the block. Uh, he, he's had his fair share up and down, but man, the mm-hmm. dude is out a lick and, and he's phenomenal for, First thing about Cox is is he uh, he he's definitely better and knows more than he than he goes off to say. But he lean he he, it's something I look up to. I, I consider myself a versatile angler, but not great at any one particular thing. Right? Like Cox has has got eyes that are like a gift from God. Like he 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 can see fish. So so mm-hmm. that's a big one for him, and th- that relates not just to bed fishing but to shallow water fishermen. Then it seemed like he kind of went all in on it with the aluminum boat thing where you, I never saw that guy at a boat ramp, like have no idea what boat ramps he uses. <laughs> never, never actually see him launch except for maybe at the Harris chain or something like that. He's always on, he's somewhere else on a different program. Uh, but then again, then he just continues to surprise you. Cause then he's on the St. Lawrence catching them, doing them, you know, I'm probably something that a smallmouth fisherman like myself would have just blown right by and not even, yeah gave it a second thought but he makes it work i mean the the dude is is an uber talented angler both shallow and deep and and i really think he's a lot smarter than he wants people to think that that he is when it comes right down uh, to catching bass because he, he's really he's freaking really good at it but yeah he did i think he won a cup or a aoy or something that year didn't he not have no electronics or something like that on yeah he won pretty much one aoi i don't know if he did or he just about one aoi with basically just mapping on his boat <laughs> like won the cup that year or something yeah, yeah. crazy, crazy. Yeah. uh he's got a good tax man i'm sure but he, but he also like uh kennedy he kind of like oh yeah i guess it has got you know like it is kind of they just kind of <laughs> laugh you try to ask him those serious questions and they just kind of like play it off and kind of skirt it and say oh, i don't know just a little bit of that like but that's the thing i think i I don't think he has any problem with um with telling people you know and and teaching i don't he's not that secret of a dude from from what i know but i i think john cox fishes the moment yeah any more than so many anglers out there really do i seriously think that dude is willing to to just kind of fish the moment and go fishing and then and then confidence is definitely the best you know, a piece of tackle you can have in your, in your boat at any time. A couple other things that I've heard him say is that a lot of times he, he drives around lakes and looks for things that if it looks right, he might come back and fish it. And he doesn't fish a lot from what I understand in practice. Like he's, if he sees fish in an area, he'll come back and figure out how to catch them. And he's, he's also seems like he's a big believer in not showing fish lures in practice that he intends to fish during the tournament. I've heard him say those things. So he definitely has some like intricacies that obviously work into his system. Um, and you know, some of those things like not getting a bite in practice is a hard thing to just, it's easy to say, not an easy thing to do to be, you know what I mean? Like, you know that, like, um, so he's definitely got some, some kind of, things in his system that are a little under the radar for that shallow water fishing. Um, yeah, I'll tell you this. I, I obviously not had near the success he has with it yet, but I want, I want to hope that one day uh, I'm following a little bit in those footsteps. Like I've just learned during practice of, of practice. That is not the tournament. You know what I mean? And though we want bites a, a day, not getting bites, like you said, can be more of a learning lesson than days of getting bites a lot of times it can tell you where not to go and stuff, but even, even at that 
fishing just takes a lot of time. And, and I've learned that's a big difference in those first three years of fishing opens and stuff. Like I'd get a bite in practice, dude. And I wanted to know everything about that area. And I wanted to know where I was going to get all my bites. Heck now I get, uh, as soon as I get a bite, if I get it in the first 15 minutes, I just turn around and leave. Like there's, there's fish here. And Maybe you know, like graph, graph around a little bit on your way out on the, right. on the way to the next spot. <laughs> a little bit poke around. You know, sometimes you got to get on the trolling motor just to get a vibe, you know, see what you're seeing in the water and stuff. But that's yeah. something like you were saying that I'm, I'm, I'm learning that in practice, sometimes moving water and just seeing what options are out there help you make game time decisions. And those are those are money decisions. Game time. Uh, all the better. So it's a strategy that I've, I've seen work for him and a lot of other really good anglers and, and one that I've been trying to adapt into my game as well. Yeah. I spent three days up on Vermilion figuring out where I wasn't going to fish in the tournament, to be honest. And yeah. then, um, and then the same thing on Pickwick. I had two sections of the lake. One day I got some bites. The other day I didn't get any bites and I just doubled down on the area, you know, expanded that water. I mean, it's like figuring out what that system works for you is a big deal. Yeah, I, I learned a real valuable lesson in an open on Seminole once. It was a fall tournament. My practice was terrible. I flipped up a four-pounder punching hydrilla on this big flat. Next day, I went back in there for like a little half day, and I, I pulled on I pulled on one more bite. In the tournament, I started on like a buzz bait thing, nothing. Went in there and cracked them. Had a good first day. Second, you know, just flipping, expanded on the area. Ended up with like a football field full of matted hydrilla that kind of all started to make sense during the tournament. Day two, I lost a couple right away in the morning, and then it was like they, they just shut off, right? My knee-jerk reaction at about noon was to start scrambling. But I just kept telling myself, like, where, where are you going to go? Like, I've done it long enough now. And this, this was an open. This was going back, you know, probably four years ago, five years ago. I think it was the year before I, I started fishing the tour. And it was, it was just a key day because I remember telling myself that second day, midway through the day, where are you, you know, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. They're not biting. You're going to blow it. And and then tell myself, like, where are you going to go? It's going to be a scramble fest. You know, there's fish button down and catch them. And, and that's what I did. And what you know, in the last hour, I got like, you know, four bites cold once and uh, enough. I, I think I took 13th, something like that. Just missed the top 12. And again, it's, it's just those, those game time decisions. Uh, but the biggest thing about it is just fishing a lot and then trusting your gut. Because if, if you can look around, like I, I spent time on Seminole looking around, not getting bit anywhere else. So it's like, sometimes when you're fishing, you're always wondering what's around the next corner or are they biting good on this side of the lake and all that. Well, if you kind of check through all that stuff and you know where not get bit, you definitely settle down on the stuff that you have. And and uh, and a lot of times in tournaments too, you know, when you're a one day one day tournament angler, you're looking for that twenty pound bag and all that, and that that's just not that realistic, even for the the most successful anglers. You know, a twelve thirteen pound days get you paid. You know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes you got to decide when you know, when that's, when that's going to happen. Yeah. And the flip side though, I mean, that can go both ways though. Cause that, I know I, one of the things Panger has been preaching a lot lately just is like, if you're thinking about the next spot, you should have already left. So you can play that both ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, that, that's what the point is. And that's in that particular time I stayed. Uh, but it's, it's more so what I'm saying is it's that gut, you know, yeah. and you got into what it is. I didn't feel good about leaving. I was scared that I wasn't going to catch them. So I was going right. to go and cut, you know, my the chicken was head cut off mode, trying to grind up bites. 
where instead I stayed. Other tournaments, same deal. You know, I the one you talk about spots, I, I abandoned them, ran the largemouth that I'd never fished for before, caught a four pounder and a three pounder, and 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 went and did it. And and again, some of these best anglers in, in the world, you'd be amazed, and the better you get to know them sometimes it's just that decision. Like they really didn't have nothing going. And then all of a sudden they made a last ditch decision with an hour left and 14 pounds later, and they're in the top 30 again. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah. it's, just it's just decisions, you know, once, once you know how to throw the baits and you, and you get good at the cast and all that kind of stuff, it's purely decision-making from there. Yeah. So this is an interesting question from, from, from Gaff. Uh, he says, what do you need to have on lock before jumping to the next level? You know, boat control, fish management, casting, uh, casting mechanics is a no-brainer. If you can't get that's like, yeah, like, like. But I would say you've kind of went in the face of this to some degree. There was a lot. I mean, you you were more on the like just throwing yourself into the next level. I wouldn't say that you had any, like you know what I mean. There's a lot of things you didn't have on lock or <laughs> no, going to the next level. So that's an interesting question. So no, I had I I, I had an opportunity with Biovex. You know that you know, I could have easily have taken, taken that money that they were going to hook me up with. And, you know, I pitched it to them and, and I had an opportunity and I knew I was, I was a little bit ahead of my time, uh, ready for that. Again, if I could have done the co-angler thing at that right away, but I had a boat that, I mean, I don't even like to think about it, but, and I, I told you not to buy that boat. I told I you that. Was, yeah. God. I think <laughs> 2013 was when I fished those opens. I signed up for all nine, might've been 14. I signed up for all nine and I broke down in like six of the nine tournaments. I just had a bad engine, you know, and, and, and I, they couldn't get it right. They couldn't get it right. I mean, I'm talking like, like it was just bad luck. Like first day of the tournament, I'm 30 miles away and all of a sudden it, it would just go down. So, uh, but, but again, I wasn't putting it on credit card. I've seen plenty of people do that. Some make it, mo- most don't. Uh, but you definitely want to make sure, you know, that your skill set is there. Um, you don't you don't have to stay in the state and dominate there. But if you don't do it that way, like like fighter did, then then you should really do the co-angler route at the national level right away. So like mm-hmm. Chad Smith is is having success now. But when he first started in the opens as a co-angler, not a lot of guys knew who Chad was on the local tournament scene. He wasn't a set fighter, you know, that's for dang sure. But now he's grown his game up. Ro-ro. Josh froze up for me. I guess hey, froze up for you. Oh, you coming back? Dang it. We're so close. <laughs> we were so good for so long. Rich. Uh, yeah. He went back. All right. <laughs> we'll see if he bops back in. If he doesn't, uh, we'll hit a few more questions up. And uh, otherwise, it's been an awesome stream. We've been hovering right around 100, a little more between Facebook and YouTube. That's awesome. Uh, thanks, everybody, that's been hanging in. We're going to see if we can get a few more minutes out of Josh. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But uh, we'll try to answer a few more questions here. Uh, tons of great questions. Uh, try to get to a bunch of them. Uh, not sure if we got them all, uh, but I think we got a, a, a lot of them done. Um, I'll try to answer your question here. JP, a lot of people, it's very popular to fish hookless baits. 
um, especially down south where baits are, you know, and I think it depends on the time of the year a little bit. Uh, if it's spring and it's wide open, um, looks like he, he's, he's moving. So <laughs> do you use hookless baits much in practice, Josh? Uh, wait, what, what was that? Baits without hooks in practice much. Uh, no, if I'm actually going to cast them, I'll usually stick them. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, so there's different thoughts. And I think for me, uh, there are times that I'll definitely like bury a hook more where it's really hard to get a hook set. There's definitely times uh, where I will not try to hook them and I'll just, maybe they'll hook themselves. Maybe they won't. Um, there are times that I will bend it over or, or cut the tip off. It really depends on how tough the bite is for me. Um, up at Island Lake last year or two years ago when I almost won the state tournament, it was super tough. The writing was on the wall. I did not want to catch them. Almost half the fish I caught in the tournament were fish that I identified on like resident docks that were way off the beaten path that I knew nobody would go to. And I would literally just go up there and shake them off and then run from dock to dock that sometimes would be miles apart from each other. So it depends how tough it is, you know, uh, in the summer and the fall down south definitely consider it. If it's wide open in the spring, you probably need to know the size of the fish you're fishing. So it's all situational and it kind of depends on your system, but, uh, man, any new products from outcast? Mm, the quarter ounce net heads out. That one we've been wanting for quite a while. And then COVID sure. load that whole deal up. So we're pretty excited to have that. Yeah. New stuff coming, but, Everything's- so AP, AP fishing, is there room for a shallow guy without $15,000 of the graphs anymore? Uh, no. I mean, not at, not on the tour level. No, no but I, you don't need 15,000 out of your graph to do well locally. I, I mean, I, I almost made it to the classic with a 959 on the front of my boat two months ago. So, um, and I don't know that. $10,000 more of the graphs would have, uh, you know, caught the three more pounds. I don't know. I'm just saying like, so it, it's getting to be important, but I also think uh, it's still situational when that, that, you know, for a full season, it's important. If you're going to probably compete at the highest level, um, you know, one-off tournaments, it's very situational um, to some degree. Like there are times that, I mean, like you said, I mean, like mapping is going to be more important for you on Okeechobee than front facing sonar. Yeah. And that the maps change too much. You don't ever know where you're going. That, that, that's the thing. You, you, it depends on the fishery totally uh, to get through a full tour season. No, you, you yeah. but like Lake St. Clair, not in the spring. Yeah. You're going to need some electronic horsepower, right? St. Uh, St. Lawrence Seaway, Great Lakes, uh, Ozarks, when they start to get offshore, uh, ledge fishing, there are times for sure, but it's not always. So I don't know. I, and do you really need 15? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You, people see the pros do it and stuff like that. That's because they can, you know, that that's their but job. There's some guys that do really well with like a 16 incher at the bow and a 12 incher on the council. Yeah, that's you know what I mean, all you really need, but like, you know, active target or, or live or, live scope you know any of that forward-looking sonar technology is as important as 
you know, what side imaging was when it first, when it came out and what it still is, you know, you got to have a side imager, you know, to, to be able to find where they live a lot. And and then the, the thing about it is, is it depends where you're fishing. Like here at Okeechobee, again, I, I'm sure I could, you know, I once said that Alabama rig won't matter in Florida and then get my butt kicked by it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure somebody's going to use it for certain things, but as a general rule of thumb, no, you know, you can fish Okeechobee your whole life and never have a graph. Uh, on your boat you know you can fish a lot of the river systems um and not have much for for electronics you know you mainly need to know water temp you know that's what you need to know in a lot of places but uh then again when you're talking about some of the best bass fishermen in the world you give them a tool uh like that and give them fifteen thousand dollars with electronics and they're already better than you then you're probably gonna be in for a long year yeah and it i want to say like when you're fishing against the best fishermen already, like you can't give them that handicap, right? Exactly. But there's a lot of guys locally and regionally that are all kinds of fancy stuff on their boat that I've, you know, beat them down big time because yeah. that doesn't going to make up for 20 years of time on the water. It's not going to make you an instant, you know, it's not going to make you like an okay fisherman to a great fisherman, right? It's going to be like, it may take you from the 95% to the 98% level, but you, you got to know what to do with them. Right. Like, so, uh, it's important, but it's not everything, I guess. Right. Um, hundred percent. No, yeah. you know, just, and if you're getting into the sport and you're getting into electronics, you just want to look at ones that, you know, look at what the top of the line is as far as features and, and try to get a graph that'll be compatible to that because the bottom line is when you get serious, you're going to get more and more and more into the graphs. And, and the, and the thing is, is, is the graphs are kind of easy to read mm-hmm. when, when you have somebody over your shoulder, a confirmation telling, you, you know, I did a lot of electronics training. I still like to, it's, it's been, a, you know, I can't fit them in quite like I, I used to, but you know, a, a lot of people will have, the fifteen thousand dollars with electronics and they only really know the sonar part and and you know how to read the depth and and find their way back to the boat ramp but again then they're making the right step they're hiring a guy like me to get out in the boat with them who who i've just lost thousands of dollars in gas money i don't know minnetonka for five years trying to figure out what my side imager uh, was saying you know i can shorten that learning curve for somebody really quick but uh, it you know electronics right now are are the big thing and, and there's a plus side to them there's a negative side to them um but again they're they're only going to make you more lethal on the water like a scope makes you more accurate on a rifle you know it's 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 you're going to be able to take a longer shot and a cleaner shot and stuff like that and electronics are a lot of a lot of the exact same ways um certain fisheries you don't need them but there's definitely some that you 100 percent need to need to have them or, or it's going to yeah. be a spotted bass are one spotted yeah. bass you want forward looking sonar technology yeah i mean like yeah i mean if you fish the river all the time you can probably get by with a little less electronics. Um, I mean, every time they're still going to play, but there are times that, you know, more often than not, you buy, but like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to set up and you're going to be serious about fishing tournaments and tournaments that have two to $500 or more entry fees, you at minimum want uh, front and back graphs that talk to each other, right? You want side imaging uh, and down imaging on your back. And uh, you know, you want mapping and GPS up front. And you should be buying something that at least will be compatible with a front-facing technology. Yep. Even if you can't afford it now, make sure you get a unit that will at least be able to upgrade to it. Yep. So, 
Uh, Eric, any good opens team circuits in Minnesota? If you're talking about good as in big payouts, I would say the Champions Tour is pretty good. The rest of them are so-so. If you're looking for big payouts. Uh, What's the best Shimano, or what's your favorite Shimano for big swim baits? The 300K or the Tranks 200X? Uh, I've actually been throwing a Tranks 300. I don't have the new 300K yet, um, but I'm going to probably go to that reel just because I like the Corrado so much. Yeah. So, oh, cool. Well, we've been, we're pushing right up against two hours, Josh. I don't know that we need to risk the technology gods much longer. We've, we've, we've weathered a couple storms already. I appreciate your time. Uh, we definitely need to get out on the water uh, when you're back in Minnesota. Uh, so we can uh, reboot the, the some some on the water stuff, and uh, why don't you go out and and rip off a win this year, and we'll do a seminar afterwards. I'll do, it. I'll do it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Rich. Appreciate it, bud. Yeah, it was a good one. We were right around 100 all night. It was awesome. Uh, so thanks everybody that hung through the difficulties and that lots of great comments. And, uh, if you guys enjoyed this, you can go back and watch the replay for what you missed. I also put it on a podcast version that will be links in the description or search Hellabass, uh, on your podcast app. And you can listen to all these in the future. But, uh, as always, uh, here to help you guys catch more bass and suck less. Uh See you guys. Thanks, Rich. Quick fantasy fishing update for those that are interested in fantasy fishing. I've created a private Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing group called Beat Hella Bass. Just go to the Bassmaster website, go to Fantasy Fishing, look through the group index or search Hella Bass. It's a private group. Just click join and then all lowercase jigs for pigs. I guess jigs, the number four, pigs. All one word, lowercase. That's how you get into the group. This is going to be only for members of the YouTube channel, my Instagram, podcast. So if much better chance to win and the prizes are going to stay in our community. Hope that helps you out. Hope you're excited for some fancy fishing this year and stay tuned for more fancy fishing information. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hella Bass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hella Bass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>